Welcome to Fat Chicks on Top. This podcast contains frank discussions about the body, sexuality, and occasionally uses swear words, which may not be appropriate for people under the age of 18. This podcast also uses facts, statistics, and mathematics, which may not be appropriate for liberal arts majors. And this podcast relies on science and reality, which may not be appropriate for evangelicals. Welcome to Fat Chicks on Top. You're here with Auntie Vice again. And today we have another podcaster. He is the host and producer of Dead America podcast, which is actually really fascinating. I've been delving into it for the last couple of weeks. So I want to welcome to the show, Ed Waters. I want to say thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure and an honor. Thank you. For our listeners who aren't familiar with your podcast, why don't you give them a little overview? Well, the basic premise of Dead America is that feeling we all have, we're kind of lost, confused, we feel confronted in many ways. The meaning of Dead America is just that. I started Dead America interviewing homeless people, and I reached out to some professional people and got rejection from it. So I really had this interest and this motivation now to drive me towards a message for equality and stop judging people for uh, just, just my logo is kind of offensive to some people, you know, and it was meant to be that way. Capture Mm -hmm. the eye first and then let them imagine what it is and that brings them in. So dead America is whatever you feel, but a lot of us feel dead in America in many ways. And we want to make that right conversation. That's what does that. So, and there's so many iterations of what dead America can mean. What drove you toward that initially before you started your podcast? What made you want to explore that? Were you dead inside at some point? And yeah, I asked for assisted suicide. You know, I, I was done. I, I was dead. I hit bottom basement, rock bottom. There was nothing below that. And, you know, the confusion involved with that, it really kind of motivated me to understand the basic principle of life, life here is responsibility and stepping up and making it happen, no matter what your consequences are. So I went through a injury at work and it it really took my manhood in a way from me. And I did not feel that I was worthy of being alive. And the pain that I felt physically really transcended into my emotional state. And therefore it gave me even worse health problems. So figuring all that out was very, very hard. And that's where I come from. And that's 
really what it's about. Changing the world one conversation at a time. And you've gone through what a number of my guests have gone through. Is there's there's some type of major physical either accident or health issue that's related to their job and they can no longer work anymore. And you say it took your manhood. So how were you defining manhood at the time and and how did that take it from you? I love that question, you know, because even I missed that. How how was I defining manhood? And, you know, I was a physical machine. I, I, I went through walls, you know, nothing stopped me. If, if I had to do it, it got done. And just my physical strength was enough to carry me through because my talents involved physical strength. And my joys in life involved physical strengths. I never had to rely on my emotional side, my logical side, you know, and that that portion of the brain, it hadn't been uh, indexed in years. So there I was, you know, I really felt my manhood was my physical side and what I provided physically. And I never gave that thought. So that question that you just asked is the key to what was my definition of manhood? And by far, it was so wrong. And through through podcasting and talking to individuals and studying things, boy, I was so ignorant at what I thought I knew. And that really makes you want to educate yourself. Stop judging and thinking you know it all. So my definition was pretty flat line, beef. <laughs> How has it changed? How do you define it now? Oh, it it's so much more value related now and substance related. The little tiny things in life that, I I witness like a dragonfly on a sunflower this morning. And it's like, wow, I can take this in. I can enjoy it. And I don't have to be cowardice or ashamed that I'm a man looking at a dragonfly on a butter uh, a sunflower. You know, sunflower. the definition is really your own. So you have to define what that is. And I really define it in so much more what my mind offers now instead of my physical. And that means I've really gotten in touch with my wife and why I'm here, why I'm married, what what do I have to offer and why should I be offering? So my definition has changed in so many ways, it's hard to define what it is now. So uh, each day it brings a different new enlightening challenge that I have to face. And I'm willing to do that in an open-hearted, open-minded way now. I want to ask you a little bit about what was what was the point where you decided to move from wanting assisted suicide into deciding to 
change the direction of your life. There's a big conversation in Canada right now because folks who are disabled, they've made it much easier to have assisted suicide. And when you are disabled, especially if it's an acquired disability, it can be so hard to want to go on because survival becomes much more difficult. So for you, what really brought you through that into the turning point? Because not everybody makes it to the other side. Oh, that that's so important too, you know, and mm -hmm. really accepting my weakness and my vulnerability. And I, I can't control the world. I can't control every consequence that falls upon me. And if we broaden our view and stop having that focal point view, we can actually see that there's so many others in situations that far exceed our own and they make it every day. So, you know, I, I really looked at my wife in a way at, at the time, you know, my wife was a different person also a weaker person, uh, a, an individual that relied on me. And I found out way too much. So, you know, figuring out how to energize both of us to a new viewpoint. It started with her because she relied so much on me. Finding that thing or that person or that need that needs you and put your focus there. And really the energy that you put out is what you're going to receive. So love yourself first, accept your weakness and broaden your focal point. It can be very difficult for people to accept that they have weakness in area. That vulnerability is incredibly difficult. And between that and letting go of certainty, those two things terrify most people. What helped you do that? Because there's so many people who can't still and still can't do that. Well, actually, I lean on my faith. And I, I'm a faith-driven man. I, I don't I don't preach, I teach. And that means uh, lessening the reins of what you think people should know and let them discover it themselves. And really learning how to let go of judgments. That, that is so critical in life to enjoy, you know, really to enjoy what life has to offer. You have to stop being so critical not only of yourself, but others first. And finding a, a good balance between faith and reality, that's hard to do in the world because a lot of people think, well, faith is witchcraft, voodoo, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I really recognize that, and I understand that feeling. That's part of the dead America theme, you know, that, that disconnect there because we all are spiritual in some form and lining that up really is dependent on the individual, not me or you or anybody else and finding that freedom. That's the key. So don't let people judge. It's really, you have to open your heart and your mind to new wisdoms. And the only way to do that 
is challenge what challenge what you already know and open up to others that have experienced things in a different focus in a different way you know an individual on the street in many ways can be so much stronger mentally than an individual in a mansion and believe me i've i've been there i've i've had the choice of living in a huge mansion and i had to turn it down because of my own ego and my wife on the telephone saying um who's going to clean it and that's a big shocker you know and accepting that instantly you know knowing hey that's wisdom you know because she is the one that is responsible for that right now and i have to respect that so She's got enough on her plate. Why would I want to add to that? Recognizing those points in life. We, we all have to open up to what others are feeling because we already know how we feel. Right. And we tend to be very narcissistic people. We think our experience of the world is how other people experience it. Yes. I think is one of the great things about podcasting is you can have conversations and realize that you have such a minute understanding of the world in your own view. Yes. Yes. I love it. What made you decided to start interviewing homeless folks? Uh, Because of the times that I was there and that feeling really needed to start from grassroots from the bottom. And I had four individuals that I help out around the area and I still kind of watch over them in a way, but they have to do their own thing and they have to learn in many ways. And in a way, some of those are lost episodes of the dead America podcast. And I've still got them in an archive in certain places, but those are fantastic episodes because I considered the bottom first. You always start at the bottom to build something great. And now the individuals that I've interviewed, it just blows my mind. And the freedom and the courage and, you know, the, the flow is so much easier now because I took time to start where I connected with. And it really is because of the times I spent homeless. And that's a scary place to be. And not a lot of people talk about it on podcasts. There, there's a few of us yes. who have been homeless in the past. And, you know, my background is in politics. And politicians always think they have the answer to all of this. But my experience <laughs> is they've actually never talked to people who've been homeless. So that's there's a correct. mismatch, you, right? We think we can prescribe the answers. So between your experience and the interviews and stuff you've done, what are we missing in policy to keep people in homes? Because that's so critical to stabilizing mental health and physical health and meeting basic needs. You know, that's a good question. But I really think that the enabling factor is strong in that. And I I realize and I recognize the need for help in certain areas. But when the abuse happens, that's where policy needs to happen. And that's where individuals that have actually happened to be there and the struggle is real 
every day and they choose to try every day to make it different, that's where they need to listen. And it's not based upon their background, their upbringing. It's based upon true effort and defining their own space. So you've got to give them the freedom to enjoy their own space. And really, the rewards that we are giving are based upon wrong aspects of the care in society. So you can't reward something for being, you know, unproductive. You know, we, we all go through things and I, I can tell you it's hard, but that struggle, you've got to dig yourself out. Enabling them to do that that's the way we do that. And really, that's through a lot of uh, vocational rehabilitation, because the struggle to go from a physical trait to a mental trait, that is difficult. When I transitioned, I couldn't make a sentence. I was scared. to. I was terrified. And that brought anger and frustration. And only my will to get my message out created this need to, hey, even if I have to pay for everything myself that I learn and I advance myself with, it's up to you to educate yourself and use what you have, the resources that you have in a manner that is going to benefit you. And we, we enable people instead of educate them. So I, I have many ideas about that. And someday those will come to fruition because I have the heart, I have the will, I have the drive. And not only that, I've got the experience backing me to make it happen. I don't need all of the fancy things. What I need is people like you. And these conversations, because that spreads awareness of truth and reality in the world. That's what's missing in policy. So it, it kills me. And it was one of those real things I really struggled with when I was working in, in politics is you have to listen to people who've gone through the experience, who have that lived experience. I can give you all the statistics and backing in the world, but it's different when you hear those stories. And stories make a huge difference in passing policy. I've seen it work, but people are afraid to talk to homeless folks and, and the unhoused. Like we have, we have a perception that they're like the crazy cat lady from The Simpsons, and you know <laughs> that was not my experience when I was homeless, and it's not a lot of folks, right? <sighs> Do you want to talk a, bit, a little bit about the folks you ran into and what you experienced? Uh, I, I would there? really love to talk a little bit about that because, you know, the, the experience is broad, but in most sense, you have a sense of community in the homelessness and, and they, you'll find pods and pockets of individuals that protect and defend each other. Within those pods, you have destructive-minded individuals that don't care about life, they don't care about anything else, and they make it hard for individuals that are actually struggling to make it in life. 
this is another one of those policy things where, you know, defining where those trouble areas are and make certain that we allocate funds and the right force to those areas. Because with my experience, I was, I was living in a, what, a 28 foot or 24 foot travel trailer with my wife in Coos Bay, Oregon. And, you know, it was a little mobile park area, uh, travel, everybody lived in travel trailers, but there was a communal bathroom, shower, and there was all types of people there and homeless people flowed in and out all the time because it was an enabling place there. I met an individual that came out of prison. They call it the shoe down in Mm -hmm. California. And his mentality was, you make me mad. I'm going to stick you in the neck with my knife. And from where I come from, well, all right. I happen to have a machete right there. And he came at me with a little knife and I grabbed the machete and I said yeah you want to come with that little knife to a knife fight well this individual wore a full bore tattoo calendar you know they call it many Mm -hmm. things but sleeves the whole bit and Mm -hmm. he's lived the deal and we became very friends because I had the gall to actually address his issue. And the friendship that developed out of that was because of that's all he knew. And he never had anybody able to stand up and say, hey, that's not right. And then I started teaching him some of the things that I knew in life And we all struggle, but we have to be compassionate. And that came out of many years of, as a boy, I lived on a reservation per se, because the Nez Perce Indians were in and out of my house all the time. Mm -hmm. And we got health care from the reservation and all of that. But there were some big Indians and they drank alcohol all the time and the rough uh as a 12 year old i was hit in the chest by a individual called crazy john and he would smile at you and say heart check you got something to say about it and then an individual assaulting my mother you know i learned to grab a baseball bat you're not going to do that and this this indian looked like the indian off of uh Tom Sawyer, you know, that huge Indian that, (laughs) so learning to develop, uh, no, you're not going to boundary. That's hard to do. And homeless people have developed that boundary per se in many ways. And that frustration of not knowing how to really be able to speak what they're feeling they have to show it that is the key here 
you've got to be able to let them know it's okay feeling that frustration, that dead America feeling, and let them know you can transition into something you want to be, not what you're told to be, not what you're demanded to be, but there's a person inside of you. Let's find that person. Let's not insult and uh, accost people. Let's really learn to educate ourselves to love each other and bond because we're, we're really, our nature is to find that bonding. And that's what we all want. So all of these pods of homeless people, they have that nature about them. They're not bad people. They just don't know how to express themselves right. There's a bunch of stuff in there I kind of want to break down. So first, for our listeners who are not familiar yes. with what a shoe is, it's a segregated housing unit. And they're in the the level four prisons here in California. They've been deemed torture uh, equivalents because you, people have been put in them. They, they're isolation areas. You get out for anywhere between an hour and an hour and a half every day on your own. You don't have human interaction. And they were originally developed to keep people away, you know, or as a punishment. But in Pelican Bay, which is up near the California-Oregon border, people will be yep. isolated like that for years. And it breaks down those social interaction skills. Because yes. all you ever interact with is the guards who give you food and take you out to, to work in a, a yard by yourself. Um, Key. And yeah, it's 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 horrible the way we do that. And it does nothing to develop those social skills. And you bring up how critical that is, because even in homeless communities and you know, amongst yes. the young house, people people want that community. People need that support. We interact. Uh, and you talk about moving from being very physically oriented and not giving much credence to to emotions and all of that for people who've been in that situation and who haven't prioritized learning to discuss how they feel and sit with that discomfort that comes with that where do we start find a friend you can discuss these things with that's the key you know finding a discussion group that have been in that situation with you and the release is really the key there so you know you really want to be open-minded but you want to develop uh, a, a skill to bring the community your point of view and that's the point so when you're in these groups instead of discussing bad things you know, and condemning what our government is doing, you've really got to learn to discuss this amongst yourselves so you can actually discuss it with somebody that is able to come in and mediate for them. You know, this is how these people actually feel because sometimes orating that is very difficult and finding the Proper words is still very difficult for me today, but you've got to dive in and do it. You've got to search for the meaning of that. And, you know, the hard part there is sometimes that means reading a book. And that's really the best 
place to be. Find the literature that you like and dive into that because that's where you're going to find sentence structure. You're going to learn how to uh, punctuate your sentences. You're going to actually learn to deliver sentences in a structured manner that really have meaning. So it starts by educating yourself how to have a discussion with content, with content. You know, you've got to have context there that matter. And that means diving in, reading subject material and bringing that to the group in an exciting way and an informed way where you are important. You've made a difference right there. You've educated 16, 20, 30 people about a subject matter that you brought to the table. And just doing that is going to give you confidence. It's going to give you moral structure and a new beginning right there. That's the key. So what have you delved into? What's your reading list right now? No. Uh, actually, I, I have so many books laying around, but let, let's let dive into this one right here, Christian. Uh, Awakening the Soul of Power. It's Christian Del Huerta. This is a, is a book that will actually make you find the struggles and make it successful. There's, there's so many, and, and I base my reading right now off of the interviews that I'm doing. And I bring that into my life because that's where I'm actually finding the meaning. This is where I'm finding the connection. So finding those books that you have connection to, that's really key because in order to do an interview with Christian, I want to know Christian, you know, I, I don't want to guess. I, I want to know who Christian is. So if, if you're going to do this, do this. So yeah, it might cost you a few bucks to buy a book, but investing in yourself is the best form of responsibility. And that's where it lies, taking the responsibility to educate yourself, reading a book. And, you know, I have many on a backlog right now that I have to read, but the joy in reading, you'll find by finding your excitement zone and your pleasure zone, the things that you think about, you know, and if, if you think about these war type things, I encourage you to kind of find the meaning of war in your reading and make structure of it instead of, you know, a sense of joy. So yes, find joy in it, but find the meaning and the why. That's the biggest thing. Whatever you read, you want to find the why. And I, I like just reading you know, off of articles that I find, that's that's key also because podcasting is important to me. So I'm reading, you know, off of Medium, many different 
things about podcasting because different people have different insights. I, I just love it. Well, yeah, and there's there's so much good writing out there right now, which is fantastic to to go into. So your podcast has moved beyond just interviewing homeless people. You have quite a list of of fairly impressive guests lately. How did it end up evolving into what it is today? Effort, uh, time, effort, coordinating, learning to just structure what you want to get out, your message. And, you know, it was very difficult finding guests to come on the show that really wanted to put meaning and structure into people's lives. But going beyond that wall and going beyond what somebody tells you, no, you you might get somebody that says no, and that hurts, you know, you get turned off many times, but it, I challenge you to reach out to the individual with a response email and say, I, I really regret that you denied or declined my request. Uh, is there anything that I have done? I would love some positive feedback from you to learn more about how I can develop my skills to better serve my audience and the individuals that want to tell their story. So learning how to really get over that brick wall of the no, you've got to say yes in a big way. And that means consistency. If somebody doesn't want to be on your podcast, do a monologue, give your own thoughts, your own opinions, but Show them you're going to be there each and every week with an episode for their enjoyment. Regardless of what the content is, it's the effort. Your content will build. Your structure will build the longer you do it. So educate yourself and find these podcasts that you enjoy and really watch and listen and find the structure and then emulate that don't copy it just kind mm -hmm. of put it inside yourself and make that form and structure happen in the way that you see that oh that could fit in what i'm doing so that's the best way to find out how to structure and get people to say hey can i be on your podcast i want to be there uh i've got a year waiting period on my podcast and I, I'm just blown out of the water because people know that episode will be out. He will take the time, no matter if it takes him six years, he'll get it there because, you know, sometimes it's hard. You've got to develop the skills, do it. Yes. It takes it takes dedication to keep it coming out every week. Uh, I say that from experience. Who have been some of your favorite guests or the ones that have influenced you the most in their conversations with you? Ah, uh, boy, there are so many. Jaquentin Means, you know, one of the earlier episodes, uh, he wrote a book called Willie. It was a fascinating trip through uh, sort of a 
fictional and a realism all combined into his journey through the old time plantation life. And he, it, it hit, it hit rock bottom there with my soul making, Oh, you know, I, I could feel the frustration and every inch of the devotion he put into that writing. But that meaning that he gave that structure and the time and devotion that he took to educate himself in many ways to tell a story in a meaningful way. That's what really fascinated me there. And then Terry Tucker, this man, he walks it every day. He has terminal cancer and no, no hope for survival, basically. But here he is educating others, taking the time and talking to anyone willing to learn. Oh, man crushes my soul that man is the king right there so you know and there are so many more uh stephen foster he took a trip around the world on a harley and it, it's for the boot campaign this was meaning you know this was giving back this was bettering society there's so many i've i've talked to so many individuals that make me drive to be better each and every day. And I hope out of those conversations, it influences and it guides people to take the initiative to guide themselves down the road. Do it. And it's worth checking out the, the episodes. I, the few I've gone through so far this week have been have been really solid, really good interviews. So yeah, if you're, you're you. interested, for my listeners, yeah, it's, it's the Dead America podcast. Check it out. So to take a total left turn in the conversation, your social media has a ton of gardening photos. When did you get into gardening? I am a huge gardener. I, I love it. it. It feeds my soul. So when did you get into gardening? Uh, I've been into gardening since a boy uh i was forced into gardening as a boy uh my right toe i almost lost that thing because of an argument with my brother saying i'm not weeding the potato patch well my brother took a number two shovel and threw that thing at me and i kind of went backwards and i had to go to the hospital to have my right big toe sewed back on and when it was all said and done i actually told my brother i told you i wasn't weeding the garden you know so <laughs> that that transition into loving gardening really happened just uh about two three years ago i really developed the hunkering to learn again so i started forcing myself in a way of therapy to go out and do a garden and this is hard to do and but even though each day i am uh rugged and torn and the dedication to do that and setting your mind right to devote yourself to and no matter what, 
I'll do this much. So I have just a little tiny area in my backyard that I devoted to what I call my garden. And that is really my relaxation area and my I can do it uh, because learning to say I can do it, that is important. So that got me into gardening because I, I've been really declining in my health lately and the, the, the need for physical structure, I really need that. My ankle is bad. I can't do a lot of walking. My back is bad. I can't do a lot of lifting and all that, but I can do a little tiny bit. And each day, that little tiny bit adds up to remarkable growth that you can identify and measure. And what that does to you mentally really interacts and changes you physically. So that's what got me into gardening. And I, I just love the knowledge of being able to say, hey, if things really happen, I might not be able to do it all myself, but I have attained the knowledge now where people in need can come and help me structure a place where we can all survive. So that vision of knowing well, there is sustainability. You just have to structure it. That is the meaning of learning how to garden again. So it's a lifelong thing, but really recently I've really been hungry and needing to know how to save seed for later and know that just going out to the garden, grabbing a cucumber, eating it right off the vine and a pea or, you know, potatoes, onions. These are fascinating things. It still blows me away that I can do it. And discovering that, mm, I love it. I want more. <laughs> so that helps me physically. Yeah, I think you nailed it there. Like I'm fairly limited physically, but every day I go out, butts around in my garden, turn my compost pile, all of that. And teaching my my nephew, who's nine now, like this summer, I yes. got him into going out and harvesting the strawberries and the tomatoes and the peas and all of that. Love it. And I, he, was so ex I, he was so excited. He's like, I want my own plant. So I sent him home with a couple of plants and little buckets to do. And it's like, there's just a joy in knowing that you can help something develop like that. It's so great. Yes. Yeah. It's power. Uh, yeah, power. It is. it is. It is. And it tastes better. I'm sorry. Everything tastes better when it's homegrown. <laughs> that is very true. We we have chickens. We we let them free range out there and those eggs are better than any store-bought eggs. We have rabbits. Mm -hmm. They're kind of just pets, but in case we need them. We can breed them out and we have additional area if needed to expand. So we keep uh, three to four on hand just in case. And mm -hmm. yeah, you really involve a, a self-sufficient lifestyle into your life. And it, it's incredible what happens. The, the expansion of your knowledge 
your physical self, it's challenging, but it does help. And Mm -hmm. that's the thing you've got to tell you. No pain, no gain. It's kind of true. Well, with gardening, it's very true. It's very true. Uh, (laughs) Yes. So if our listeners want to find your podcast, if they want to find more out about you, if they want to connect with you to be on your show, plug all the things. Uh, Deadamerica.website. It's pretty simple. Everything's there. We're doing an exciting thing right now. Uh, We're building PodCamp. That is over there. People can start signing up now. It's a six-day email thing. Each day you'll get an email. And we talk about developing your podcast, how to tell your story, and the ins and outs of that mysterious world we call podcasting. And it's an inside look, not to gain money or anything from you, but wanting you to be able to find the strength within you and knowing there's ways to get your message out without putting a lot of money out. It's the dedication to yourself. That's what I'm pushing there. So I've learned a lot of things and I've put a lot of my effort into developing who I am so I can come back with something. Because I've been given many, many things by many people now. That is my way of giving back. So I want to really encourage people to sign up for PodCamp and get to know how to tell their story in a meaningful way without the need for your pocketbook. So that that is what I'm doing right now. And... Everything can be found deadamerica.website. And we'd love to hear from you and get anybody that wants to come on and tell their side of their story and put meaning and structure into our society through a conversation with meaning. That's what we're about. Connection, unity. And uh, it doesn't matter if I agree with you or not. What matters there is your structure, your time, and we will develop your story and you have the right to tell it, no matter who you are, where you're from, or what your background is. I'm going to back you on that. Come over and get involved with us. Excellent. Listeners, check out Dead America podcast. Check out Ed Waters. And thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure, and thank you for having me here. And now, a moment of gratitude. I am currently grateful for my wife, first of all. My wife has helped me expand my tender side, my understanding of who I should really be. And really, she's challenging me in many ways. For so many years, I, I got married to her in 1985. We've been together since 1983. And the, the beauty within that woman, it still is remarkable to me. I, uh, it, it just 
the pleasure and watching her develop into a strong independent woman and not even needing me that that's been the key the goal for many years having her develop that independent because i'm i'm weak in many ways now but my strength in getting her to develop understanding how to take care of herself how to be sure of herself and not to need something from somebody learning how to structure it so she can get what she needs without devastating herself the joy in watching watching her blossom that is what i'm most thankful for and another big thing i'm just grateful for every day that i wake up and every day that i can see the colors in the grass the sky the flowers the birds just find the solace in the beauty around you and i am so thankful that i have the opportunity to be able to observe that for listening to this episode of Fat Chicks on Top. Please like, subscribe, and review our podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on. If we like your review, we may even read it online. This has been an Auntie Vice production. Producer and host, Rebecca Blanton. Audio production by Sharon Smith. Music by David Manga. And more music by Sharon Smith. For more information about Fat Chicks on Top, please visit our website for all things Fat Chicks at fatchicksontop.com.